Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. This morning, I want to continue our series that we started last week. It's leading up to Easter. And this series is titled Last Month on This Level. Because we believe that that Easter is an important time uh, for all Christians. It's when we celebrate the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we believe he's alive today. That's, that's, uh, that's why we celebrate Easter. And even more added on top of that for this church, it's going to be our two-year anniversary as a church. So we're leading up to that, believing that this season is going to be powerful for your family and for our church family and for our city. And we're just believing that God is going to continue to bless um, our families and our, our lives personally and our church. In fact, starting next Sunday, we are going to press into Easter, believing that God has great things for us in this next season. We're going to press into his presence. We're going to pursue his presence. That's our word for 2018 at Encounters Pursuit. And we're going to be doing a seven-day fast. And so I invite you all to join with our leadership as we're starting that next Sunday. And it's going to go up to Easter. We're eating on Easter because that's a sin not to eat on Easter, right? That's the day we're going to start eating again on, on Easter. We're going to do uh, different types of fast based on what you feel like. Biblically, the fast we see in the Bible all deal with food. I'm personally going to be um, cutting out all meat and sweets for a week. And so I invite you to join with us and press in for your family, press in for our church, press in so that I don't fall off the stage. Amen. All right. I want to talk to you this morning. The title of my message in this series this morning is Change Your Mind. Change Your Mind. Is there anybody here who, like, who, who is constantly changing their mind? Maybe you're looking at your wife right now thinking, okay, that's you. You're changing your mind constantly. But I want you to know this morning that your, inva- your advancement in your faith or stepping up to the next level in your relationship with God will depend on your willingness to fight. And if you're willing to fight and say, God, I want everything that you have for me and I want to see what's next, then you need to know God leads you, leads you from one level to the next, mind first. He'll always change your mind before he changes uh, what's going on around you. And so this morning I want to read a couple of verses that God's been speaking to me from this, this week. Jonah chapter 4, we're going to read four verses there and then two verses in Romans. So if you want to follow along on the screen, it should be up there. Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says this. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Tarshish, that's a weird word. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. You need to know that God had called um, Jonah to go and preach to these people in Nineveh, and he ran from this call of God. And and the circumstances we're going to talk about in a minute that all came around, and he ended up going and doing it anyways, and now he's complaining because God is showing grace to these people in Nineveh. He says, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? I want to continue to read. I don't think I have the verses in there, but I want to continue to read in verse 5. It says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah and give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. I want to read a couple more verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
These are some popular, uh, famous memory verses. You probably um, can recite some of them by memory. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, if it's, if it's God's desire for you to live more than you're living now, if it's, if it's God's desire to take you to the next level and actually have you experience a life full of Christ more than you ever have before, then it's going to start with having your mind renewed. If you want to experience it, the first thing you need to do is have your mind renewed. Like Paul wrote here, he said, um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Paul is saying here, where the mind goes, the life follows God leads us to the next level, mind first. He wants to change our mind before he could, and that's how he changes our life. If he can change your mind, your life will follow. So this morning, I think you need to know that you change your life by changing your mind. In the, in the scriptures we read right now from Romans, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he's writing to Christians. Which is important to note because uh, these people were already redeemed, but Paul is saying them to saying to them to make sure and focus on having your mind renewed. So Paul is telling us here that, that at the point of salvation, your mind is not already renewed. In fact, it's a lifelong journey to have your mind renewed. I know uh, people who've been serving God for 50 years, and they're still dealing with issues, and God is changing their mind, um, and it's possible to be redeemed. It's not automatic that once you're saved, your mind is renewed. It's something that, that I think Paul is saying here, we have to renew our mind, we have to focus on it. Jesus changed my heart in an instant, but it takes a lifetime to change my mind. He's constantly working with me. We're co-laborers with the Holy Spirit to renew our mind. And I asked this morning that you understand this is not works. And you're saying, what do you mean laborers? Brent, I don't like that word in church. This is not works. This is actually an expression of your faith that I will co-labor with the Holy Spirit. Dallas Willard puts it this way, grace is, grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Grace is saying that you have to earn something, uh, or you don't have to earn something. You get something you didn't earn, but it's not saying that there's no effort. In fact, my effort is actually an extension, uh, an expression of my faith. When I put forth an effort, it's saying, I believe I can do what I can do, and God's going to do what he has to do. It's saying, I'm going to draw near to God, and I believe God is going to draw near to me. Amen. We're co-laborers in this thing. Putting forth an effort is a declaration that I believe God is getting ready to do something, and I'm going to put forth an effort and do what I can do today. We have to position our mind to be renewed. Only the Holy Spirit can renew your mind. But we have to position ourselves. There's three things that I want to talk to you about that are important if you're going to have the Holy Spirit renew your mind. And the first thing you need to do is have an open mind. The first thing you need to do today if you want God to renew your mind is make sure you have an open mind because God can't teach you anything if you already know everything. You ever met somebody that knows it all? Usually teenagers. When I was a teenager, I knew it all. I think I forgot it since then because I don't know it anymore. But some people you talk to are so unteachable that they are forever stuck on the same level. You can't grow if you're not teachable. Some of the greatest leaders I know ask the most questions of anyone I know. Because they understand being teachable is how you grow. It's like that guy, you know, on the first day at your job, you've been there 15 years, it's his first day, and you're supposed to show him around and, and train him and teach him, and he's showing you how to do your job. You ever met that guy? Like, why don't you do it like this? You're like, dude, calm down, okay? 
I've been here 15 years. Just let me teach you. But some people don't have an open mind. You can never walk through open doors with a closed mind. And this morning, I need you to know if God is stretching your mind, it's probably a sign that he's getting ready to open a new door and take you to a new level and do something new in your life. But you have to be able and open to allowing God to renovate your mind. You know renovation is messy. It's actually more messy than building something new. When, when we first moved back from Texas and launched a church for about a year, I worked with a friend remodeling homes. And I got to tell you, it was one of the messiest things I've ever done. Tearing down walls and insulation and, and the drywall and, and the ceiling above you, it, it gets messy. And there is quite a mess. It's actually probably easier to just go in and build something new. It's less messy. I can just put it up. But you got to know, if God wants to do some things in your life, there's some things he first has to tear down in your mind. He has to tear down some old mindsets, some old things, and it gets a little messy before he can build something new. This is what renewing your mind looks like. He has to tear something down before he can transform a space. Even Jesus refused to help people who wouldn't open up their minds first. You hear Jesus ask often, do you want to be made well? Is your mind open to this? Do you want to be made well? In fact, in John chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, he follows that question by saying, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And I got to tell you, I know we're in church and we're spiritual, and we say, wow, praise God, spit on the dirt, Lord, and put it in my eyes. I got some questions about this. Like, if this is me, I'm going to be asking some questions. I'll probably, come, I'll probably have a closed mind and say, wait a second, what are you doing with that dirt? Is this dirt necessary? Because I heard uh, a couple weeks ago you healed the guy's eyes by just putting your hands on him. What's the deal here? What's with spitting in the dirt? And the only through him being obedient when having an open mind to what God wanted to do did he have his eyes open. I believe if he had kept a closed mind, his eyes would not have been opened. The second thing you need to have if you want to uh, prepare your mind to be renewed is you need to have an honest mind. You can't get where you're going if you aren't honest about where you are. You know, Pastor Casey, he does this really silly thing where um, I, I, it's, uh, I guess that's why he's a kid's pastor. I only did this when I was a kid, but he'll walk up to you all the time and go, oh, dude, what'd you do? What'd you get on your shirt? Right? You know this? And you're like, what? Boop. Did he learn it from you, Carl? Is that he? Um, and I'm like, dude, that is so dumb and childish, okay? But, but one day, someone else had come up to me. They're like, oh, dude, what'd you get on your shirt? And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I just walked away, went about my business. Do you know later on that day, I found out, I looked down, and I actually did have a stain on my shirt, and I walked around all day. I blame Pastor Casey. This is his fault. I look like a fool all day with a stain on my shirt because I refused to look down and see that what was really there. In the same way we do that in our lives sometimes, we say, I'm okay. My drinking is, is not that bad. It's not really affecting my family. It's not affecting my work. In fact, I'm a good worker. I show up late all the time, but you know what? I'm a good worker. Or you know what? My relationship is great, even though your spouse can't talk to you about anything. You're not being honest with where you really are. My relationship with God is great, yet I spend no personal time with him actually building a relationship and getting to know him. You have to have an honest mind to get to the next level. You know, the Bible tells us you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But if the truth sets us free, then that means deception keeps us bound. 
You want to move on to the next level, you got to obey, you got to listen to the truth. You can't be deceived and think that you're going to go on and do anything greater for the Lord. Because faith does not deny reality, it changes it. Faith doesn't look into the promised land and say, there's no giants in there. No, faith says, there are giants there, but my God is bigger and greater than those giants. It doesn't deny the existence of issues in my life. It says, these are really there, but my God can deal with these things. We've got to be honest and look straight into these things to find healing that God wants to do in our life. Faith does not deny a reality that a door is closed. Faith just says, I believe that door is only closed till God has the key and opens it. I believe God wants to take me to the next level, and right now I'm not there, and this is what really is going on in my life, but when God opens this door, no man is ever going to be able to shut it, because that's the God I serve. The third thing you must have to prepare your mind to be renewed is a hopeful mind, a hopeful mind. Jurgen Moltmann says this, the sin of unbelief is manifest in hopelessness. The sin of unbelief is manifest in hopelessness. He says, hopelessness is the premature anticipation of the non-fulfillment of the promises of God. You know, sometimes we can prematurely lose hope in situations and remain hopeless because premature um, hopelessness is actually saying, you know what, I stopped believing God too soon. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stopped believing God before something was finished? Because God is a finisher. And if it's not done yet, and if it's not good, because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, if it's not good, then God isn't finished. God is a finisher. He always finishes what he started. And so if, we are gonna, if we're going to get through anything in any storm, we have to understand that if it's not good yet, then it's not finished. Hopelessness sets in when we believe God is done. But faith says, you know what, I have an expectation, and hope says I have an expectation that God is going to perform what faith believes is true. I have an expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. In fact, hope is an anchor that will hold you through any storm. Hope is the thing that ties me to the promise of God. It says, even though it doesn't look good right now, I have a promise from God that it's going to work for my good, so it must not be done yet. If your mind meets this criteria, you now have positioned your mind for renewal. But what does it look like when your mind is renewed? You know what it looks like scripturally? It looks like the mind of Christ. God wants to give you the mind of Christ. Because we have, initially we have a carnal mind, a mind that wants certain things that, that aren't godly. And, and God wants to renovate our mind. In fact, God uses the mind of Christ as a blueprint as he renovates our mind to the mind of Christ. You know, before a builder ever builds a community of homes, he first builds a model. And this model, you can go in, and it's like a blueprint of what your home would look like if you choose this one. I love going in model homes. I don't know about you. I, like, kick up on the couch. I don't even take my shoes off. I put my shoes up on the couch and make myself home at home. I jump on the bed. I sit on the couch and... Is that weird? No, I'm just I sit on the couch and I watch the cardboard TV cutout thing looking, and uh, I yell at my kids in the other room, you know, just like home. And so I sit there and I realize, you know what? This is actually a model of what they want to build. And Jesus is your model. The builder invites you to look at the model. And if you accept, he will make you look just like the model. Jesus, his mind, the same blueprint that if you have the mind of Christ, you have a mind that is governed by the spirit of God. 
Because the way your mind is, is actually, it's about governance. Mind renewal is about the government of your mind. I'll, I'll give you some scripture to back that up. Romans 8, verse 6 and 7 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Another translation says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know what's scary here is that it didn't say to be spiritually gifted is life and peace. Because there's, there's times in my life where, where I, I can use my gifts, but I was, I was just kind of going through the motions. Anybody who's in ministry can tell you that, that there's something separate. We can, we can be gifted, but God wants to make us spiritually minded because spiritual gifts bless others, but what happens in my mind dictates whether I can be blessed myself. That means uh, we can get up here, Amanda could get up here today and bless you and God will actually use her gifts and in the presence of God will show up even though what could be happening in her mind or in my mind this morning could be completely off and I'm going through a terrible storm but God will still use my gifts. I'm giving you a tool this morning to say, you know what, not only can you use your gifts to bless others, God wants to give you the mind of Christ so that you can live a blessed life full of peace and joy. But so often I know so many Christians that they walk around not and live in this life where they, yes, they're gifted and they're anointed and they're saved, but they never understand that I need to surrender, fully surrender my mind to Christ to be renewed. It all comes down to what's governing your mind. A mind governed by the flesh is governed by impulses, appetites, and emotions. It's governed by feelings. And you know, feelings, they're, they're great at certain things. They're great at servants, but they're terrible masters. Feelings are meant to be indicators, not dictators. You, should, you see, they should be in the car always, but they should never be in the driver's seat. If your feelings are driving your life, trust me, you're going to crash. You're going to crash if your feelings are driver. They make a great backseat driver like my wife, but they shouldn't drive like my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Does anybody else have a wife who, who's a helper in the car when you're driving? Even if you see something, she helps you to make sure you see it. My wife will shout and scare the heck out of me in the car. I don't know if anybody else has that. I, didn't cr- I wasn't even about to crash, but once she shouts, I'm about to crash. And so I actually have a way I, I can get her back. If you don't know me, my love language is to give people a hard time. Can I show you how I like to get her back for how she scares me in the car? Let's show that video real quick. This is just for your viewing pleasure. Oh, the volume was working earlier. I don't know. Oh, come on. Oh, well, just watch it. (laughs) All I did was go, like that. (laughs) So that's what I feel like when I'm driving. Do you know what? Jonah's story that we read here, and I'm going to talk about the previous chapters of Jonah's story. It's a great picture. It's a powerful picture of what happens when your mind is unsurrendered. When your mind is unsurrendered, you're going to go through issues. Jonah, as a prophet, he surrendered his gifts, but he didn't surrender his mind. 
In this story, we, we read about Jonah, we, we hear that he got this word from God. And can I tell you, he got a word from God because he was a prophet. He was not a novice prophet. He heard the word from God. He understood it correctly, and he did not listen to the word from God. He didn't have a surrendered mind, but he, he heard the word. He was a prophet. He had a gift, and God trusted him to deliver a message to Nineveh. But Jonah goes in the opposite direction, and the Bible says he goes down to a place called Tarshish. He goes down to a place called Tarshish and he pays a fare to get on a boat going in the opposite direction. Can I tell you, when your life is in opposition to the call of God, you will always go down and you will always pay a price. When God has called you to something, if you try and run in the opposite direction from your assignment, you will always go down and it will always cost you. You need to know in the story, Jonah wasn't necessarily running from God. He was just running from this assignment right now. He was basically saying, you know what, when I signed up for this God, I didn't know when I said yes to that, that it meant yes to this assignment. I don't like this assignment. I didn't, we never see in the scripture that Jonah was running away from the call of God on his entire life. He was still had a relationship with God. He just said, I'm not doing this. I'm running away from this assignment. He gets on a ship and with a strong wind comes and threatens to break up the ship. You think Jonah would know right now, okay, something's wrong. But can I tell you, when you're actually running from the assignment of God and when, when you have an unsurrendered mind, your discernment is impaired and things that you should see, you don't see. So Jonah, he's running from God and this, this storm starts to break up the ship and there's terrible things happening. The men on the ship start throwing their cargo overboard. The Bible tells us these were merchants, which means they were, this was their valuables that they were going to sell that was the cargo on this ship. So now we see all these men throwing all of their valuables overboard. You know what this tells me? This is important for your family. This is important for, for your home, your ministry, for your business. When you have people with unsurrendered minds on your boat, you're going to have to throw your values overboard to keep them on board. When you have unsurrendered people on your ship, meaning your family, in your business, in your ministry, you are going to have to throw your values overboard to keep them on board. And so we see these people frantically throwing the very thing that they have to sell, their livelihood, overboard. And Jonah, this is what's frustrating, while they're throwing their valuables overboard, you know what Jonah's doing? He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Like, what in the world? I'm upset about this. At least get up there and help them throw their valuables overboard. But do you know what happens when someone has an unsurrendered mind? They'll create issues that they're unwilling to help you fix. They'll create them. They make messes and they leave you with the responsibility to clean them up. So these, these men, they start to try and row to the shore and they can't. The Bible says it doesn't work. And you know why that didn't work? Because they were trying one way, but God had another way. The Bible says God had prepared a fish. See, sometimes when things don't work out the way you think they should, maybe it's because God has actually prepared another way. And that way that you think is going to happen, that's not the way it's actually going to happen. It doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan. It means it's not your plan. It's not that God won't get you there. It's that he's gonna, not going to get you there that way. Then it goes on, and the Jonah tells the men, throw me overboard. This bothers me too. Like Jonah, you're grown, okay? You throw, jump off, okay? Why do I need to throw you overboard? But do you know what the scripture I think is telling us here? When someone has an unsurrendered mind, they place an expectation on you to do things they should have done themselves. And so, <laughs> 
They're preaching to somebody. Um, Dr. Henry Cloud says this, they expect you who's being responsible to be responsible for their irresponsibility. And you know what? They're irresponsible and happy. But you're the responsible one, but now you're unhappy because you're having to be responsible for their irresponsibility. All because of an unsurrendered mind. They throw him overboard. He's swallowed by a fish. And you know what? I used to think this fish was judgment in the scripture, but now I've realized this fish was grace. That God had prepared a fish to hold him. I don't want to be in the belly of a fish. I'll tell you that. But can I tell you something? When we look at this fish, we see, you need to know fish have teeth and fish have stomach acid. But Jonah was whole in the belly of the fish. Instead of complaining about the belly of the fish that you find yourself in, have you ever just taken a second and said, thank you, God, that I might be in the belly of a fish, but at least I'm whole and I'm coming out of this thing. And I know it doesn't feel good and it's not where I want to be, but it's better than being on the bottom of the ocean. God prepared a fish. He got him through some stuff he'd rather not be in. In the, in the fish, Jonah had a moment with God. God speaks to the fish and it spits him out. And then Jonah chapter 3 comes along. And Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, I believe, in my opinion, is the most profound verse in this chapter. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You know what's funny about this story? Is Jonah went through all of this and now he's still got to go to Nineveh. Have you ever been that? Can I tell you something? You can run from God, but you can't run forever. If he's got something for you, you can come now, or you can come kicking or screaming later, but he's going to get you to do what he's created you to do. You can run all you want, but the call of God, you can't run from it. He's not going to rest until you do what he created you to do. This is often where the story of Jonah stops. But there's a whole other chapter after this, and that's what I read some of this morning. It doesn't end there. We go through the first three chapters with unsurrendered mind. He had surrendered gifts, but not a surrendered mind. And then it goes into chapter four, and we see now Jonah goes to Nineveh. He preaches to these people, and then we see God sparing the people of Nineveh. And then in verse one of chapter four, we read it said, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. This is how illogical a mind is when it's governed by feelings. Jonah had just received grace, but now he can't give grace to others. When we're controlled by our feelings, we don't understand it. He's upset the same grace has been given to people he just ministered to. That's like me giving an altar call today and saying, hey, if you need Jesus, come up front. And being like, no, not you. Get back there. You can't. What in the world am I even ministering for? But a mind that's led by emotions is illogical. And then verse 2 goes on and says, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to live than to die. And then verse 4, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? God wanted to show Jonah how illogical his position is. He had this closed mind, and a closed mind will keep you in, and it will keep God out. And Jonah had an unsurrendered mind. It was illogical. The emotional side outweighs the logical side. Jonah was being illogical here. He was being completely emotional. He wants, God wants Jonah to see he doesn't have an open mind. He wanted Jonah to see, Jonah, I know you see your anger, but you don't see your arrogance. That you think you can receive grace, but the people of Nineveh, 
You think you know how to handle them better than I do. Jonah, you see your anger, but you don't see your entitlement, thinking you deserve grace, but others don't. Jonah, I know you see your anger, but you don't see your bitterness. And bitterness left him graceless. You know why Jonah was bitter? Is because Nineveh was the capital of a country called Assyria, and Assyria had terribly persecuted the Israelites. So now Jonah, being an Israelite himself, had watched this terrible persecution of what these people did to his people, and now he does not want to see them receive grace. He doesn't want to see God bless people that hurt his people because he's dealing with unresolved pain, and unresolved pain will turn into bitterness, and then you have a whole other problem on your hands. He was bitter. He didn't have a mind for the next level. This, this story of Jonah, it ends kind of on this note. There's no restoration, like Jonah comes around, surrenders his mind, and gets this, this revelation from God that he understands. We don't see that. And this story is not in the Bible to show us to make fun of Jonah or insult Jonah and say, wow, Jonah, come on, what are you thinking? That's not what it's there for. It's actually there to educate us, to say, you know what, Jonah's life might have ended that way in chapter 4, but my life will not end that way. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let these things... Let these emotions deal with me. I'm going to surrender my mind. God, show me the things in my mind that are holding me back. God, show me the things in my mind that are hurting me so that I can be ready for the next level that you have for my life. A renewed mind, it's the opposite of what Jonah said. A renewed mind actually wants to save the people who hurt you. And a renewed mind can be trusted. Do you remember when God trusted Joseph? After he was sold into slavery by his brothers, then thrown into prison later on, and then he became the right-hand man of the Pharaoh in Egypt. There was actually a famine in Israel, and all of his family went to Egypt to find food and to beg for them to help. And guess who they had to face? Joseph, the brother they sold into slavery. Do you know what Joseph did? He didn't look at them and say, I'm glad you came. Get out of here. I probably would have said, kick dirt, go die. I don't care. But you know what? Joshua had a heart that could be trusted by God because it was renewed. And he said, what you meant for my harm, God used for my good. And guess what? You're going to come. And he took them back in and saved the nation of Israel in that moment based on his surrendered heart. To renew our mind, you need four things. And and I'm getting ready to close here in a minute. The first thing you need is an internal assessment. You need an internal assessment. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Do you know this morning that Christianity is not about a facelift, it's about a heart transplant. We have too many Christians trying to look right on the outside, but never doing an assessment and saying, this is really what's going on on the inside. We, we deal with jealousy and we say, oh no, I'm not jealous, I'm blessed. No, can we be honest and say, God, I'm dealing with jealousy. This is really what's going on. Can you change me and can you help me? That's what God can do. It's about heart transformation. It's not about looking some way. God can never fix what you won't face. You gotta have an internal assessment and say, God, I need you. The second thing you got to have is an external evaluation. External evaluation. We need people around us who will speak the truth in love. You know what we need? Sometimes we need a Nathan who comes to David and shows him things he cannot see. 
You need somebody around you who will be honest with you and say, hey, this is what I see. We got too many yes people around us who will tell us exactly what we want to hear and keep us in the same pit they're in. We need some people who've already got up out of that pit who can say, no, that's not going to help you. You need to do do this. You need to go after God for this because I see this in your heart. External evaluation. The third thing we need is unyielding investigation. You need to be relentless at unpacking your emotions. You know what we do? We blame our emotions on other people and we let them put us in a prison that only they have the key to let us out. We say, mmm, they made me so mad. How about saying, you know what? My cup is already full of anger. They just bumped me and I spilled. When you give someone else authority over your emotions and you say, they made me so mad, they're the only one who can make it better and let you out of that prison. You put yourself in yourself. We have to be unrelenting with investigating our own emotions and saying, God, I don't know where that jealousy came from. I didn't even know that was in there. Would you help me with it, Lord? It's nobody else's fault. Nobody else is responsible for your emotions but you. Proverbs 25.2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. We need to be unrelenting in investigating our emotions. I want to change mine. I want a mind that's unhindered by snares that I can't see. Because you need to know this morning that all chains don't make a noise. All chains don't rattle. Some chains you cannot see. Some chains in your heart and in your life that you're dealing with, you can't see. But that doesn't mean that they're not there. You need to investigate your feelings. I do not yet consider myself to have obtained it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, reaching for those things in front of me, I press towards the mark over the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God, I want to have the next level. I want to experience a renewed mind, God. Would you come in and change my mind to it looks like yours? Can I get the worship team to come up and help me this morning? The last thing that you need to do to allow God, once you've prepared your mind, to allow the Holy Spirit to to renew your mind is you need intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. I've asked Katie to come in here. Come up. This is my daughter, Katie. She's nine. This is my little buddy. He's not that little anymore. Can I ask you something this morning? Does your relationship with God look anything like this? Because sometimes I I ask myself, with my relationship with my daughters, is that what my relationship with God looks like? Katie, are you worried about anything? No. Are you upset about anything? No. (laughs) That's good. I'm glad. Go ahead, have a seat. Thank you. Can I tell you, if she was worried, bitter, upset, dealing with any issues, can I tell you, me as a father, I would think that that's a representation of me. That me, as her father, I want to have the authority to speak into her life. And when she's going through something, I want her to know that she can cling to me with intimacy. You know when you spend time with with somebody, they become more like you? You ever notice that? You spend a lot of time with a friend, all of a sudden you're talking like each other, you're acting like each other. And the same way with my kids is I think the more time they spend with me, and if I represent Jesus well, the more they'll look like me. And if they imitate me, they imitate Christ. And I think sometimes we don't spend time with the Father like that and we go through things. But the Bible says you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. What about you? Are you worried about anything this morning? Are you bitter about anything this morning? 
You want to come sit on my lap? Just kidding. I'm glad this morning that my daughter's not worried about anything, but you know what she knows? If she ever does go through anything, she can cling to me and she can run to me. This last week, they were on, my kids were on spring break and we got um, the chance to go to Disneyland together. We went on this new ride called Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, it, they redid it. It used to be Tower of Terror, and it's awesome, I got to tell you, but it's not for the faint of heart. And, and we went on with some friends, and we were in line, and, and, the, and we got in line, and Katie was like, I'm going to ride next to my friend. And I said, okay, you don't want to ride next to Daddy? She said, nope. But a couple minutes went by, and it got really close to when we were about to go sit down, and you know what she said? She said, I'm going to ride with my Daddy. I'm going to go over and ride by my dad." And can I show you a picture of what intimacy with your father looks like when you're going through a storm? Did you get that up there? There she is on the bottom left. You see her clinging to her dad. And can I tell you, that's the kind of thing that will renew your mind. When I'm going through a storm, I can talk to the wrong people and they'll renew my mind in the wrong way. I can find some friends I could call and rant to who will hate that person with me. Or I can talk to my father who will renew my mind and say, you know what, God, I want to help see those people saved that are hurting me. God, I want to have a renewed mind that says the very same people who hurt me, I want to see them come to know you. Jesus, I want a changed mind. I want a renewed mind. God would shine places in our mind where there are snares or shackles that are keeping us from being renewed. Father, I pray for every person in this room this morning who's dealing with bitterness, Lord. I pray for any person that's dealing with shackles of worry or anxiety. God, I pray for every person that has a mind that is unsurrendered to you, Lord. I pray this morning, Jesus, that it would experience the mind of Christ, Lord. That you continue to renew their mind. That they would be investigators of their emotions. That they would do internal investigations and get people around them, God, who will be honest with them and give them external investigations, Lord Jesus. Because we want to know you. And God, I pray for intimacy to grow that you could come in this morning and tear up the roots of bitterness, that you could come in and do a renovation this morning and tear down the places in our minds that were not built by you, but were built by our past, our mistakes, things done to us. God, we tear those things down this morning in Jesus' name. Your word tells us, God, to pull down every thought, God, that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God, every stronghold. We're breaking strongholds this morning and tearing down old thoughts and mindsets, Jesus, and we say build it new and build it, but according to your blueprint, according to the mind of Christ this morning, in Jesus' name. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? If you're here and you're dealing with some old mindsets, some old things that happened in the past, but they're still affecting you today, the bitterness or the anger, the things that you've been dealing with, I wanna ask the prayer teams to come up and they're gonna pray with you in a minute that God would give you the mind of Christ. That those shackles that have held your mind, that God can break those this morning. I don't don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you've dealt with some physical abuse. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe there's some some people, some friends that have hurt you and turned their back on you and you thought, you know what, they don't deserve my forgiveness. I'm never going to forgive them. That bitter root, I believe Jesus wants to pull it out this morning so that you can have his mind and all things pass away and all things become new in Jesus' name. 
I want to talk to someone as well who's here this morning and you feel like you're in the belly of a fish and you're in an uncomfortable place. I want to I want to ask you this morning as we begin to worship in a minute, I just want you to lift up your hands and your voice and say, Jesus, thank God that I'm not on the ocean floor and I might be in the belly of a fish now, but this is grace and it's not over yet and I believe you're working all things together for my good. Come on, can we worship Jesus for a minute? If you're here and you need prayer for any of those things, I want to invite you up right now. Let's worship for a couple minutes before we go home.